we are privileged to be doing this work as physicians. I think that weathering this pandemic has already changed us, but it will also equip us with the tools to survive and to thrive and to care for others much better than we are currently able to do. Welcome to the ACO Show. Today, Josh is joined by two guests to discuss how they have been able to thrive through adversity. Dr. Kim Yu is a family physician based in Orange County, California, and medical director at Allidade. She discusses what medical practices can do to manage during these difficult times, both from a practical point of view, as well as the importance of finding meaning and having self-compassion. We are then joined by Dr. Richard Lynn Cook, another Allidade medical director, who shares his personal story of overcoming tremendous challenges after a gunshot injury, and how some of the ways he coped through it can apply to medical providers struggling during the pandemic. I am very glad to be joined now by Dr. Kim Yu. Kim is a family physician based out of Orange County, California. She's also a regional medical director for Allidate in Michigan and a regional medical director for growth and partnerships for all of Allidate. I thank you for taking the time, Kim. Thanks so much, Josh. It's great to be here. The theme of today was going to be thriving through adversity, and I understand you put some thought into it. So what, what can you tell us? What can you tell our practices for managing their practices during this difficult time? Well, we know that with COVID this past year, many practices have gone through such adversity with um, not only patients that are not doing well and who have passed away or got sick, but even in their own practices in terms of patient volumes dropping and finances dropping, their staff getting ill, um, their colleagues getting ill, and even maybe in family members. And so there's been many things that have happened to really cause difficulties for our practices and physicians throughout the country. And what we see for this new year is as we have a little glimmer of hope with the vaccines that have become available, that there are many things that we may be thinking about in the new year that we may be wanting to do for our practices um, and to help our practices succeed. Many may be thinking about doing resolutions. And for each new year, we usually have resolutions. I don't know, Josh, if you do this, but I know for myself, um, I often will make resolutions to lose weight or uh, do things like that. Um, you know, exercise more and eat more healthy. And um, I think it's a good thing sometimes to think of resolutions in terms of our practices too, like what things may we do for our practices in the new year in terms of resolutions that can help um, improve things for, for your own business and your patients and also for your practice and your staff. I know for myself every year, I make a resolution to be less judgmental and more empathic. And I think by making that every year, I keep myself from getting worse. I'm not sure if I've actually gotten better though. <laughs> I'm sure you have, I'm sure you have. I think we've all just been very reactive in our own lives, with our own families, trying to keep our work lives uh, on somewhat of an even keel. But as you said, people may be seeing a little bit of a glimmer of hope, a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and may be able to step back and try to be a little bit more planful and thoughtful. So if practices are feeling like they may have a little bit of space for that, where do you suggest they start? I think it's important to really set goals for the new year that are really specific, maybe smaller, more realistic, measurable goals that are time limited so that you can really 
look ahead and think, well, in one month, what is it that I want to be able to achieve or two months, three months, and really set small, realistic goals for your practice and share those goals with your staff, whatever they may be, whether they be financial ones or you want to um, change the way something happens at the front desk and the, the uh, number of annual wellness visits maybe that you want to schedule for the new year or um, the way that you collect co-pays at the practice, whatever it might be for the new year, to really set those measurable goals ahead of time. I think it's also important to look at your financial outlook for the year as well, because, you know, obviously with everything that's happened this past year, many practices have faced difficulties and um, looking at your practice business plan, creating that if you don't have one, but really looking and honing in on those details within your business plan to really ensure that you have everything that you need going forward this new year um, to be able to meet the goals and objectives that you might have within that, including whether you decide to diversify your income by being more involved in value-based care contracts, getting involved in an ACO um, if you're not in one already, or participating in value-based care contracts um, that may be available to you can be a really good way of thinking about how you're going to diversify your income for your practice and not rely so much on fee-for-service, which we know is really um, not necessarily a, a great way of really handling income for your practice, especially during these times. It's also really important to reassess your payer panel to sit down with your biller and really go through um, how much you're getting percentage-wise from different payers so that you know that you've got a balance in terms of the types of revenue that's coming into your practice and that you don't have too much in arrears either, um, that you're keeping an eye on that as well. We've had practices in Allidade who, when they sit down with their bill and they look through, they're actually able to see how many annual wellness visits or transitional care management visits they've done for the year. We're able to provide that information to them. And it really has helped them be able to see, well, you know, in terms of revenue, what are the different sources of revenue that you might get from E&M visits versus other visits that you may do, including chronic care managements, for example. So it can be really helpful to understand how many, how much out of a percentage you get from different parts of your um, billing revenue management cycle. I know you're out there speaking to a lot of validated physicians. Have you seen uh, practices and physicians with a new appreciation of revenue from value-based care as their fee-for-service income dropped during COVID? Definitely. Uh, I remember several physicians actually that when they received their checks this past October from their Medicare shared savings, they said that without this, their practice really might have even closed, that this meant the world of difference to their practice for being able to continue being in practice and being able to take care of their patients to continue taking care of their patients. Um, and hearing that really just made all the difference. Just knowing that the work that we do at Allidade is making a difference for these practices and these patients around the country. That's great to hear that. Value-based care is a pretty big concept. Were there particular strategies or particular types of preventive care that you saw pay off both financially for practices and for our patients? Definitely. During the pandemic, what we found was being able to continue to do annual wellness visits um, during the pandemic, either in office or through telehealth, really has helped 
improve the revenue for practices. Some practices were able to see upwards of $100,000 or even more added to their revenue in the year just by doing more annual wellness visits that they were planning to do already. Um, ensuring that they actually were billing those correctly and not just putting them down as EM visits um, and doing advanced care planning, for example, um, and transitional care management visits. Um, all of these can really help improve the revenue for practices to be able to continue to take care of their patients too. And so it's great to see not only practices see um, increased revenue, but also their patients get quality care as well. As practices make that transition towards more value-based care, towards more preventive care, especially now with COVID still going on, how should practices track their change and their progress? So it's important to also set a schedule um, when you are thinking about all the different things that you are trying to measure and mark your progress. And in Allidade, um, we have practice transformation specialists that meet with our practices on a weekly, bi-weekly basis to be able to help track and um, measure the progress of our practices. And so that's an easy way of being able to mark progress um, and also getting the monthly reports. But you can set up these monthly reports, hopefully within your own EHR and with your biller to be able to think through and talk through all the different things that you may want to work on, whether it be annual wellness visits, whether it be patient access and hours that you want to look at and how many patients you may have seen by telehealth. All of these things can be tracked and measured to be able to figure out if that's really meeting the, the benchmarks or meeting where you want to be and what your goals may be for this new year. So Kim, thanks for your thoughts on some of the practical aspects uh, for medical practices coping during the pandemic and other times of adversity. Uh, let's move on to, to thoughts and feelings. I am a psychiatrist after all, and I know you, um, you've had some thoughts on, on coping emotionally as well. Yeah, I've, I've found that during the pandemic, we know that there's been increased rates of depression, increased rates of anxiety, and obviously with patients, family members and staff members getting ill with COVID, morale and burnout are at an all-time high. So it's very important to be able to spend time to really refocus and really spend the time to really heal from all that has happened, the, the traumatic stress in many ways that many have experienced this past year has been so great, so great. So finding the time and space to really refocus Finding your ikigai, your reason for being during this time can be very healing and really committing to self-compassion through all of this. Many of us may be thinking, we're not thriving. You know, you're saying, please thrive in practice, but we're not thriving here. It's been difficult, especially during COVID. But things that you can do when you really don't feel like you're thriving is to consider this. When we think of Kubler-Ross's grief cycle from denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance, there is actually a sixth stage of grief. And that's from someone called Kessler, who said that it's important to find meaning. And so during all of this time to think about how can we find meaning despite the situation that we're facing right now? Other areas that we can really think of in terms of self-care is to think of self-regulation 
And I remember someone who said that self-regulation made all the difference between feeling stressed and overwhelmed and realizing that I could control how stressed I was feeling. So really thinking about how do you self-regulate, whether it's deep breathing, meditation, or thinking about relaxation techniques on the go. I know that some physicians have even gone to steps where before they go into a patient room, as they hold that doorknob, they're opening the doorknob to take a deep breath before going into that room. And maybe it's what we do when we're just about to go on a patient call on telehealth because we may not be going into a visit or a real room, but entering that telehealth visit, taking a deep breath, recognizing how we're feeling in that right space. It's important to have self-compassion for oneself so that you have right thinking about the situations that you might have been and maybe the difficulties that you might have faced and mistakes that you might have seen or been part of, like you may have seen and, and thought that you could have done something better. To think about relationships during this time, especially ones that may be long distance, but even ones that are close by to really verbalize together with your friends and family and really name with each other the difficulties that you may have gone through to really have those private conversations that really heal, to check in with each other and be in community and to have someone to walk through these difficult moments at this time. And then finding respite and rest. Um, I know many have had difficulty sleeping. So taking time to even just sleep and rest, that can be very healing in and of itself. So we can really think about all of these in the framework of considering your ikigai, your reason for being, the reason that you may get out of bed in the morning. And that ikigai is a Japanese term that really is a combination of what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And we need, we know that the world needs independent primary care physicians and those in healthcare right now, those on the front lines, the world needs us. And so don't forget yourselves, but also don't forget the patient that's at the center of our mission. There's so much more to be done this year as we think forward to everything that's happened in the past year. But looking forward, I am hopeful that there will be much that we can do. I do think that's one blessing of being a doctor is you generally don't have to look too hard to find meaning. Um, you know, as hard as the job is many days and particularly for physicians on the front line right now and everything they're facing. Um, you don't have to take too many steps back to just see the meaning and the, the value in what we do. Kim Allidade has some behavioral health resources that we offer our practices for patients who are struggling, not just during COVID, but maybe now particularly during COVID. And nationally, there are some resources for physicians who are struggling. Um, can you share those? Yes, I'd be happy to. There is a physician support line. And so you can go to physiciansupportline.com. And that is um, a service provided by psychiatrists in the US that help uh, physicians wherever you may be, physician colleagues and medical students throughout the country really um, have an opportunity to talk free and confidentially 
with no appointment necessary, you can call that line to really talk and have your um, needs heard, whether it be the emotional support that you may need and just having a safe space for physicians and medical students who may be not only affected by COVID, but also other issues, whether it be racism or other things like that. And so it's a really wonderful free support line run by volunteer psychiatrists. I believe there's over 600 psychiatrists that have joined together to help provide that peer support for physician colleagues and medical students as we all navigate COVID-19. The phone number is one 409 And the website again is physiciansupportline.com. In Allidade, we provide resources via MindDoula. It's a wonderful resource where we have therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists available to our physicians to be able to help manage patients um, and still maintain physician oversight over those patients. And so we're able to refer to MindDoula and other um, organizations that are involved in this type of behavioral health work include companies like Concert Health, and they found um, multiple studies actually from the impact study to teen care study that have been published in journals like JAMA or the New England Journal of Medicine that have shown a significant decrease in depression symptoms versus usual care by using behavioral health services like Mindula, so a 50% reduction in depression symptoms, and also an improvement in hemoglobin A1C, systolic blood pressure, and LDLs. So this not only helps improve care, but um, contributes to significant cost savings as well per patient that can be quite considerable. So um, a very strong, powerful evidence base to using these behavioral health resources like Mindula. And um, we're really excited that we're able to offer these for our practices that are part of Allidade Nation. Dr. Kim Yu, thank you for this great information and for being a great resource for all of us. Thank you so much. My name is uh, Richard Lynn Cook. I'm a regional medical director for Allidade for Texas and California. And um, in light of our global pandemic, um, I, had, uh, I have a story that I'd, I'd like to share, and I hope that it, it helps us all get through uh, uh, this pandemic and come out on the other side better than, than, than we were. Uh, so when I was 19, um, I... Um, uh, I got, um, I had a gunshot wound to the head uh, outside a club in New York City. Um, and I was initially paralyzed, uh, except for my right arm. Now, with our current pandemic, a lot of us uh, are at the point where we're exhausted and depressed and anxious and maybe suffering from a little bit of PTSD. So, these all these emotions came, um, you know, in time, and and I experienced them. So I just wanted to share how I uh, dealt with them and continue to deal with them. I got down to work, and I went to um, rehab every day. I couldn't have gotten through it without my first tribe. There are other kids there, and we all, you know, bonded immediately. And you know, we all went to rehab together. We all pushed each other to exercise. 
the other tribe I had was my family. I was lucky enough to have family members bringing me Jamaican food every day at the hospital. My family and friends and a million get well cards and, uh, you know, um, fundraisers from my high school. And, and you know, it, it was it was every day after rehab, it was a constant stream of people coming in uh, to see how I, I was doing. And, um, you know, that's great. I, I had a lot of support. Um, I also had to console a lot of people. This started in the ICU, but it continued for my entire rehab. Uh, I was explaining what was going on. I was uh, telling people how I was doing. I was counseling them on how they were feeling uh, about me, about themselves, and, and reassuring people, you know, don't worry about me. And, and so that, that was training for, for medicine and for, you know, motivational interviewing later on with patients. Uh, it, it, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was um, slowly but surely um, convincing, being convinced to go in, into medicine. So I had my tribe. I, I became, you know, a counselor as well. I, I fought off my despair by embracing my vulnerability and laughing at myself. It informs the way I communicate with patients, and I think um, uh, I think I've just been a, a, a just a, a much better doctor than that. Uh, another lesson I'm pulling from this is is that that no matter how bad off I was, and and you know, every day I'm reminded of the injury just by walking. There are others going through much much worse than than I am. Um, and it's, I think this is a very powerful motivating force, which, which can kind of get you up in the morning, can keep you going through the day. You know, it, it's, it's fuel. It's, um, it's, a, it's energy that we can tap into to continue going um, when you know that you're, you're still here and that others need your help. And that's what I, essentially I was doing for that entire experience and I continue to do. Uh, it helped that I thought I, you know, the way I was raised, uh, I was raised to to believe that if you're given much, you know, much is expected of you. And we are privileged to be doing this work as physicians. I think that weathering this pandemic is has already changed us, but it will also equip us with the tools to survive and to thrive and to care for others much better than than we are currently able to do. Um, the, the PTSD, the anxiety and the depression, let, let me just um, kind of um, finish off with that. Uh, so I, I, you know, I had a bit of PTSD, especially very soon after the injury. If I heard firecrackers or God forbid gunshot wounds, it, 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 uh, it was somewhat traumatic and, and you know, I felt that visceral response. That's gotten better over time we all have exposure to wellness, whether it be from an app, from a support group, from our friends, from our family, from our church. Uh, and I would highly recommend, you know, turning to these things to get through the day. Um, it, it's, uh, it helped me out before there was such a thing as an app uh, and it continues to. Uh, so, um, that that's how I deal with the PTSD uh, then and and somewhat now continue to deal with it because uh, it, it's you know it's still 
I, I would love to be able to go running or, you know, biking or, um, you know, with my kids and, and my wife, but uh, I have to do other things. And, and, and that's also part of the secret is, okay, I might not be able to run, but I can play golf badly. Um, I can swim and scuba dive. Um, you know, I can walk um, and I look cool with my walking stick. So I've, again, just looked to those things that I can do and I don't focus on the things that I can't because I can do a lot more than I can. Hopefully, um, I've been able to at least provide a little bit of, um, you know, assistance in, in dealing with the after effects of this pandemic, which will undoubtedly be with us for uh, years to come. This episode of The ACO Show was produced by Brittany Barnes and Hannah Posner. Our theme music is by Donna Korn. You can find previous episodes on our website, alladay.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ACO Show.